this, this evening I want to start off by actually reminiscing a little bit. Um, as alluded to earlier, I, I played ball a decade ago. Um, so I was a student a decade ago down at UNL. And if I was honest, the, the real reason, my man, the real reason I, that I actually went to class, the meaning of a class for me was to stay eligible. I'm gonna, hey, can I go here? Or can I go here? All right. Okay, I'm gonna do this for the recording. Shout out to the men back there. Okay, so uh, the real reason I was gonna en- that I ended up going to class was because it kept me eligible. And I know y'all can feel me being students. Uh, do we have any UNL students other than my man right here? Okay, so only one person goes to the true University of Nebraska. That's cool. Um, Oh, you guys didn't like that. I'm sorry. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I actually call each school by UNL, UNO now because we live here. So you're welcome. Um, if we're honest, because school is monotonous, it's repetitious, it's long, and we go through four or some of us seven years of college classes, we end up losing the meaning of why we even take college courses, right? So for the most part, I would presume that the majority of us, if I were to ask you, why you, what is the meaning of your college courses, it would be to get a degree, yes. C's get degrees, as I always used to say in high school and still say today, by the way. But it's to actually get a degree. But we actually don't see, we wouldn't want our surgeon or our dentist actually believe in that, right? Because they study for a different purpose and what they do directly to us and our bodies has a bigger influence on our own health, right? So the the real true meaning of why we end up going to classes, whether it was for me trying to stay eligible or for y'all to get the degree, the real meaning is that we would learn. Isn't that crazy? We pay all this money so that we can end up learning, but that's the true meaning and true purpose of taking college courses. It's not to stay eligible for whatever you have to, if there are any athletes here, and for those of us who are looking towards graduating, it's not just to get the degree. The true meaning is that we would learn, right? And it's easy to actually lose the meaning of something as you continually see it regularly. And so we're going to end up looking, as we said, we're in the middle of a sermon, beginning of a sermon series. I get to do the second miraculous sign and wonder of Jesus, and we're going to end up seeing in the text three main characters, and we're going to see how the purpose of a miracle ends up getting lost, even back then, for them back then and us even currently. Because the true meaning, we're going to end up seeing through the text, the true meaning for a miracle was that it draws us closer to Jesus. I'll say it again. The meaning of a miracle then and today, we'll see through the text, is that we would be drawn closer to Jesus. We wouldn't just chase after the the thing that we can get from Jesus, but actually Jesus himself. And instantly I'm thinking to myself, maybe some of us have tuned out because we're talking about miracles. But... I want to actually suggest something. It matters. This message today matters. Not just because God does miraculous healings, but because we actually continually need miracles. Amen? Okay, we got one, one person who continually needs a miracle. Okay, so he's seeing it. We'll go through the text. But whether we have surrendered our lives to Jesus and have been walking the thing with God through life for quite some time, or the vo- those of us who haven't surrendered our will to God, the reality is still the same. It matters because we are a continuous need of a miracle. And it's not just what we're going to see in the text here, okay? I mean, we're going to end up seeing somebody ask for healing on behalf of another of a sick kid. But if I'm being honest, miracles are more than just physical healings. 
Amen? And here, through every season of life, there are many, many miracles that we end up overlooking because it's not just the supernatural, physical. In the seasons of life, for those of us who are praying and asking and begging God to save someone maybe even next to us or to save our brothers, our sisters, our mom, our pop, our loved ones, do we not realize that a spiritual rebirth, to actually have new desires, to actually turn away from our sin, is, supernat- is a supernatural miracle. We overlook that regularly, right? And here's something ordinary that we also do. For those of us who are in the room who have been in relationships that it can, we, continuously, we continuously end up not getting in a place where we end up meeting, but we end up going too far with the person who we thought was gonna be God's best for us in relationship to one another, right? So in the dating process, against all odds, it would be a miracle that God would provide that person, that we would even become the person to be God's best for one another, okay? So when, I, when, when I'm talking about miracles, we're gonna be talking about miracles today, we're gonna see a physical supernatural miracle, just know that miracles happen when we go to God against all odds. Amen, are you tracking with me? When we go to God against all odds, needing something to change, all right? So I'm gonna be, if, if, if you heard me preach earlier in the big, the big gathering on a couple Sundays ago, I'm gonna be your tour guide again. We're gonna go all the way back 2,000 years. We're gonna get scenes, smells, not smells. Uh, <laughs> I can't reproduce what it smelled back in Israel back then, but I could try. But we're gonna, I'm gonna end up being your tour guide. We're gonna end up seeing three main players in this thing. I'll take you through the text right now. But the whole premise of this whole message is that you will see a man go through three different opportunities to exercise his faith. And he ends up, he ends up progressing along the road. And I'm gonna be, as your tour guide, walking you through little segment and little pieces one at a time. So do me a favor, don't jump to the end. This is a documentary and it's gonna be suspenseful, okay? All right, so we're gonna be in uh, John chapter four. John chapter four. At verse 46, we're gonna end up starting. And this is at the tail end of a chapter where Jesus has just visited the Samaritan woman at the well. He's ministered to her, she's gone back, told the rest of the city, hey, there's this dude who knows some really crazy things about us, about me, and then the whole city ends up believing, right? So here, we're gonna pick it up, and the first thing we're gonna end up seeing in this progression is that uh, the three things, the first thing is gonna end up, we're gonna end up seeing from, from this, um, this father who comes to Jesus on behalf of his son is that he goes to Jesus, he comes to Jesus. So that'll be the first point. Come to Jesus. Verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him. Okay, we're going to pause right there. So here are the three main players in this text is one, an official who's a father. And he's going to be the petitioner. And he's, he's gonna end up going to Jesus, as we see here in the text, the second player in the game, and Jesus is gonna be the physician. And then we also have who, uh, another player in the game, uh, a son of the father who's not present, okay? And so we see this, 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 this father ends up coming on behalf of, of his son who's deathly ill. And 
he is desperate. We end up seeing that he comes from, he comes from Cana to Capernaum. So uh, just a little bit of background, that's 20 miles. And a little bit of background on the official is that this desperate father in need of healing for his son, an official back then in, in, the, in um, ancient culture, this guy had land and money. So we end up seeing he's so desperate that he's not gonna send his servants to actually go visit Jesus, but he ends up going himself 20 miles. That's like what, from us, uh, us here walking all the way down to Gretna Outlets. All because he has heard of Jesus's reputation as a healer. It says here uh, that um, he had came from Galilee where he turned water into wine and ends up describing that that this... um, this father ends up knowing his reputation. So he's going desperate. A stranger to Jesus, as so far as we know, on behalf of his son, doesn't know any lick about him other than rumors. But the guy ends up in a desperate need of a miracle. He comes to Jesus. So no matter, <laughs> we'll read in the text that uh, this guy, did this guy have the most pure motives you actually hear preached from the pulpit? Probably not. It's good motives, though. He wants his son to be healed. He actually wants something from Jesus. And so we're going to end up going through the text and seeing not only does this guy first come to Jesus, so we're, we're seeing that he's in need of a miracle. So the first thing he does is he's, he gets closer to Jesus. He actually visits him 20 miles away. And that's not it. We're going to see through the text here that the second thing he does in growing in intimacy because he needs a miracle from Jesus, because he needs circumstances to change, is that he ends up asking Jesus. So the first is the, the desperate father is in need of a miracle for something to change, and he ends up coming to Jesus. Secondly, he asks. Okay, we're going to pick up from uh, verse, the middle of verse 47. Okay, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Okay, so uh, here we have a little bit of a rebuke from Jesus. Uh, The official ends up coming. He ends up, as the text says, he asks once. Makes this trip up takes the risk in need of circumstances to change, approaches Jesus, and Jesus says, you've come to me with some impure motives. Jesus is perceiving the hearts of not only him, but those in Galilee who just want to be entertained by Jesus' miracles. But we know that Jesus' miracles, his work to change our circumstances, are not for our entertainment, but it's for eternal purposes. Amen, JR? And not only that, he runs up going to ask, right? He gets the rebuke, and I love it. The guy is un, I mean, he ends up saying in verse, I drew over it, 49. He asks again after the, after the rebuke, sir, come down before my child dies. So he gets this rebuke from Jesus as a petitioner to the physician, and he, he doesn't shy away. He ends up, what I would presume is, he ends up overlooking what was said and asks him again. This guy's persistent. This guy's not only desperate, but he is dependent on someone else. That's what we end up seeing in the posture of this father who needs circumstances to change for his son back home. So he not only comes in proximity to Jesus 20 miles to get closer to him in desperate need for things to change, but secondly, he ends up asking. Oh, and then he asks again. 
Okay, so right now, I am working through this, this passage, just so you guys know. I'm gonna explain everything, and you may get bored, okay? But at the end, I'm gonna share an illustration and application for us. Amen, we tracking with me? Okay, I'm gonna work on further as your guys' tour guide. So as we continue on in the scene, we see that this guy comes, he's asking, and we're gonna move on in verse 30. That's not it. Jesus says to him, go your, okay, Okay, the, okay, here, okay. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going, going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, which is 1 p.m., the fever left him, these servants said. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Okay, so quick. That is the end and conclusion of the story. Amen. This desperate father ends up asking, getting rebuked, and then as he, as he ends up asking again, Jesus answers his prayer. But know with me throughout this whole passage, in the very beginning, this petitioner of a father who needed a miracle, who needed Jesus to act on, on his son's behalf, he had put limits on Jesus. He had put, he said, uh, God, would you, would you answer this prayer in this way? And here was the prayer. He said, would you come down with me? Would you actually visit, physically visit, walk down with me 20 miles? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Just believe this. He's already healed. And the father could have literally thought in his theological framework, well, God doesn't work like that. No, what he ends up doing is he takes God at his word. Amen? A commendable thing. He doesn't show any doubt and he moves on. And as he's walking down, uh, those 20 miles, somewhere in between them before he gets home, he ends up interacting with his servants. And these servants, they're running back and they are excited. I'm thinking like homeward bound excited. I may, that may be too old. I may be too old for y'all. But he is excited. Those servants have seen something. He go, they go up to, to the father and they say, in, in the text it says, hey, uh, yesterday at the seventh hour they tell him, uh, the fever left him. And here's the thing, the last point that the father ended up doing as he was desperate in need of things to change, he remembers. He ends up remembering. And here's how he remembers. The text says, the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. He remembers that as he came to Jesus in desperate need for him to respond, as he asked Jesus, as he took him at his word, he remembers Looking back that God had done a mighty work and it gives him credit. Gives him credit in what way? Because this is a non-Christian as we end up finding. This is how much it impacts him. He ends up, him and his household getting born again and they all end up believing. You see, this miracle that he was chasing after, as impure as it seemed, ended up leading him to a praise of Jesus. So much so that him, oh, not just him, and his whole household ended up believing. And so for those of us who, um, who, who are Christian, it's not just theological words on a page, but for those of us, it's some of our stories. Like 
when I came to Jesus, a personal story here, um, I remember multiple times before I ended up getting saved in my college years and my depression, I remember middle school when I would come to Jesus because I would be in a pew, the, you know, the 10 times I actually visited church, and there'd be a, a, there'd be a, a call and response after, hey, if, if you want to get saved and born again, be a child of God, raise your hand. We'd all close our eyes. And then I'd peek up to see, make sure no one was looking. And then they said, all right, raise your hand if you want to believe and be born again. Someone's smiling because they may have done this too. And I would throw up my hand. Out of the like 10 times I went to church, I did that probably like five of them. That's 50, I was batting 50% trying to get saved. I was batting 50% trying to get saved. 500 for you baseball folk. Okay, so I'm sitting there. It made no impact, no impression on my life. I can, t- I can say, tell you that right now. But what I was doing, I was posturing in a similar way. I was coming to Jesus for something. Not only that, I saw how I asked Jesus before I ended up believing. What did I ask him for? Middle school again. Uh, the war was going on overseas, the war on terror, as we would call it. And my sister, I wanted safety for her. So what did I do? I had been to church a couple times. And so I ended up asking God, just a general routine prayer. God, would you end up, would you end up uh, protecting my sister? And I remember adding stuff on there. I'll do this. I'll do that. So I came to Jesus in a similar way, just asking. And in a similar way, I ended up getting saved about a decade later, right? But I was always asking. I look back on those times and say that the Holy Spirit, he was actually there getting me and moving me and progressing me towards exercising my faith. Because what this ended up being was an exercise in faith. It's like a muscle, right? You guys tracking with me? He ends up going, he ends up coming to Jesus. That's like when we first go to the gym. All right, then he ends up asking Jesus. He's growing closer to him. What does that look like? I'm doing curls now, baby. And then he ends up surrendering his life to Jesus. Now we're talking about swole mode, baby. We're talking about sets and reps and timed and running. Anyways, so uh, that's how it ended up playing out in my life. And I know that's not just me, but some of y'all stories. Amen? Okay, I can't speak on everyone's behalf. All right, but... For those of us in the room, I don't want to make any presumptions. For those of us who haven't yet bowed the knee to Jesus, we have seen, just like I did before coming to him, we have seen God work mightily in other people's lives, on, on other pe- on, in our life that we've just, we've seen, thought maybe that was God and then totally turned away. We've asked God for things as if he was our father, but we, it was only because of our desperate need and wanted nothing to do with actually his message apart from his miracles. And if we haven't yet bowed the knee to Jesus because we've seen the work of God in other people's lives, then we're just playing religious games. We're playing religious games and we're not, we're, we're coming to Jesus, we're, we're, we're in the posture of we come, we ask, and yet we never end up coming to a humble posture as our man did here, the Father who ends up surrendering in response to what God has done. God has given us eyes to see. For those of us who have not yet surrendered, I'm believing God's given you eyes to see. It's your will that God wants, not just for us to come and ask, but to actually bow the knee that we wouldn't miss out on the message of the miracle worker. Amen? And um, and if it's not as if it's just those of us who haven't bowed the knee quite yet. 
for those of us who have, there's application in this, that the miracles are, are the miracles, the places that we're at um, in desperate need for God to move, to, for God to change circumstances, for God to actually bring like a literal miraculous healing even if, if we would ask and beg him to and come to Jesus for. For those of us who, who, are, uh, who know Jesus, uh, the reason why we have these miracles is that we would grow closer in intimacy, intimacy with him. That because we would see him move as we, as we come to him and ask him to move in a mighty way to change circumstances and, and to even give us miraculous healings, the whole purpose of it is that it would literally be gas to the flame that, that ends up burning for love for Christ. And it grows our obedience to him because we can't help but praise him that he's not only real, but he cares about us. Amen? And so, in closing, um, would we come to Jesus? Would we ask of him? And not only that, would we ultimately surrender? For those of us who haven't bowed the knee, that we would absolutely give all our desires to him. Those of us who have and know Jesus as our redeemer and our sanctifier and our king, that we would continually surrender every snare that so easily entangles, every snare that comes to mind, every um, inclination we have to sit in front of a computer and watch impure images, every inclination to waste our life watching TV like God doesn't care about the time that we have here on earth as if we would live longer than what we think we would. Uh, would we just end up coming and surrendering everything? For those of us who have bowed the knee to Jesus, continue to ask him, not just to, sa- not, not to save us from eternal damnation, no, but to save us from the sin that would keep us in growing closer to him. Amen? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much uh, that your miracles are meant to grow us closer to you. God, um, for those of us who have bowed the knee, God, and know you as Savior, I ask that we would continually um, yield our heart to you, that we would come to you, we would ask of you, ask of you, and uh, God, that we would continue to surrender everything over to you. And for those of us who haven't, Lord God, uh, the conviction and the weight of sin that's on our life, Lord, I ask that you would bring the, the man or the woman here, God, to see you worthy of not just coming and asking and getting from you, God, but actually surrendering and asking you to run their life because you can way better than they ever could, God. You're worthy of our praise and our worship. Thank you for being a miracle worker. Help us be a, a just, just take the posture of, of the Father who came with expectancy. Will we pray and see you in our expectancy, God? wanting you to move in.